A car shopping experience meets an out-of-body experience. With 50,000 cars added daily and unbelievably smart matchmaking, the new Cars.com. It's magical. And good morning, everyone. We are live on Coast to Coast Football. My name is Scott Kennedy. I am your host. This is my co-host over here, Nick Kendall. He is in Seattle. I am in Atlanta. So we are Coast to Coast Football with your football coverage today. And I'm excited, Nick. Sometimes you're, you're wondering, it's like, okay, we, how long are we going to talk? We got an hour. We're, we're beating the same horse. There is so much going on in the last week that we won't even get to all of it. We'll focus on some of the things, and we'll just have to save more for another show. But I think our first show of Coast to Coast Football, Nick, was the quarterback carousel. Where are these yeah. guys going to end up? And we're starting to get some answers, and we're starting to see get even some more intrigue going on. We're going to dive into all of that. The big contracts, the guys who want big contracts, franchise tags, non-franchise tags, and we may even get into some combine and draft over the next hour or so. But first, Nick, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty well. Hopeful that uh, the internet can hold out today one more day before the extender provides to be a solution uh, for my internet woes. But uh, yeah, doing pretty well. If the coffee is, I just poured it, so it is way too hot right now. So I got to let it cool a bit, but uh, doing well. Uh, happy it's Wednesday, ready to get to the weekend. It's been a long week. Yeah, it, it had, it's only, and it is only Wednesday. So yeah. yesterday was, you know, yesterday was quite a day um, with the news, the franchise tag deadlines coming out and we'll just start. I put his picture on the cover art for this, which was Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens used the non-exclusive franchise tag which is kind of a poison pill to a certain extent, Nick. It's like, you know what? We're going to let other teams negotiate. And if we like the deal, we'll just go ahead and sign that one. Ooh, that one's kind of, that one's kind of evil, <laughs> that tag is. Because, again, it's making you go ahead and find out what you can get out there. And then we'll go ahead and sign that. It's lazy. It's a, it's, it's a lazy man's work for it's the, the lazy man's option. I, you don't see it very often. And then if we don't like it, well, we'll get two first rounders in return. So someone could come up and give a huge contract like the Cleveland Browns did with Deshaun Watson, who is trending right now on my Twitter feed because of this contract he signed last year. And if the the, the Ravens decided, no, that's too much for us, then they would get two first round picks in return. The two first round picks in return is a bargain for Lamar Jackson. But is the contract going to be too much? You know, that's that's what it seems like. He wants Deshaun Watson money. And you don't know if there are other teams willing to give Deshaun Watson money of $250 million guaranteed over five years. That's still relatively unprecedented, Nick. Yeah, and there's been some talk, unfounded, but still talk of collusion of the league, saying that we're not going to touch Lamar Jackson and we're never going to give out a contract like Deshaun Watson's ever again. I mean, that's one thing the play, the owners and the NFL have tried to, not get into those guaranteed contracts. So uh, Watson got one, obviously had the no trade clause in a weird situation, but this is different. Also, the thing that makes this uh, fascinating to follow is that Lamar is his own agent. So now he's going to be negotiating these contracts against all these teams on the market. I mean, it's, it could get uh, pretty interesting. I know I'm not saying Lamar is not capable of doing that, but that's a, that's a career, you know, that's somebody's profession uh, that he is now going to have to deal with uh, doing this off season. So Will be interesting to follow. I just it doesn't make sense that so many teams are like, yeah, we're not interested when you don't even I mean, let's say he's I'm on a non-guaranteed contract. Well, you know, come back to us. But the fact that we had all this immediate non-interest on non-interested parties is is odd to me. 
Well, again, and we don't know exactly how much that means. We're not interested at $250 million guaranteed, you know, because there are a lot of guarantees in the contracts. And we talk about that all the time. You know, you see, you know, didn't Russell Wilson sign a $250 million contract? You know, it was something close like that, but it was, it's, it's not that at all. It's more like, it was more like four years, 150, you know, somewhere in that, in that neighborhood, because it was guaranteed and what are you thinking? But it was, you just look at the guaranteed money and what's he going to get? So there are, there is guaranteed money in there without a doubt. So, you know, if, if Deshaun Watson had signed a six year, $350 million guarantee with, or $350 million contract at 60 million a year annually with 250 guarantees, are these guys still losing their minds? Or is that, you know, is that just too much money if $250 million guarantee? Because there's other teams, especially on an average per year value, that aren't that far off on that. You know, I mean, that's the kind of money Aaron Rodgers is making. Russell Wilson's in the 40 plus million. Geno Smith is now in the 40 million range. Daniel Jones is now in the 40 million range. So is it the, you know, what the, the fully guaranteed contract? Well, what if it's so what if it's fully guaranteed? It's the guaranteed money that matters. Is it the 250 million that's too much? to pay because because he's not going to be alone it might not be lamar jackson that gets it but there's going to be another 250 million dollar guaranteed contract coming in the next two or three years nick i think it's the ability to get out of the deal somewhat uh at later years because when you it's 100 guaranteed that means that the salary cap hit is full across every single year of that contract so you have no flexibility to kick the can or renegotiate or you know it, it, extend anything like that is out the window those little tricks that these teams like to do to create cap space year by year uh and also negotiating power uh year by year against that player so again it seems like the nfl at large is saying absolutely no way uh we are not going to give that 100 percent guaranteed contract and the other elephant in the room or i guess not elephant in the room but thing we have to talk about is that lamar jackson's play style uh mm-hmm. with it's you know, Deshaun Watson, pocket quarterback, mm-hmm. for sure a pocket quarterback. Lamar Jackson, he's been great two years ago, but the last couple of years, this year too, uh, missed a lot of the season after getting injured. So it's not just, you know, you're paying for the guy who's going to be taking less hits, uh, that big kind of money. And there are studies out there. I could have, you know, done whole research on, you know, the, the quarterbacks who run versus that don't run and what does the careers look like. Granted, the game has changed a bit that in the sample sizes are probably small enough that you can't draw anything too large. Uh, you're, our value wouldn't be very high on that uh, st- statistical analysis. But I think that's another part of the uh, this equation that we need to talk about is that Lamar's play style, maybe teams are more concerned about, you know, having that 100% on the books for the next five years. Yeah, I agree. And, and part of it is if, if his legs start to go, what's he worth? You know, that becomes a question. So, and and the problem is, is you start running into, I'm, I'm, I'm being surprised by some of these numbers that I see that I just need to stop. I just need to stop being surprised. You know, I see Geno Smith gets three years, 105 million, uh, 50 upfront guaranteed. He's he get, he's getting paid this year more than he's made in 10 years. Hmm. You know, that's a that's a big swing by the Seattle Seahawks for what they're doing with with Geno Smith, considering who he's been for 10 years, to then go and give him that kind of money. You go to Daniel Jones, who was we're not going to pick up his fifth year option. Well. Boy, that would have been a much cheaper deal, huh? It was a risk. Okay, he played really well. Now you've got what you know, forty million a year. I, I think is what he's getting, and in most, in, at least guaranteed over the next three years, one hundred and twenty million somewhere in that neighborhood. You know, we were talking is he going to get thirty? 
You know, is he going to be in the 25 to 30 range? And then he gets 40. Um, Who am I missing? Derek Carr. You know, Derek Carr, the one thing that I think I was right about out of all this wasn't the money because he's getting paid, I think, more than I was expecting him to by the New Orleans Saints, but that there was no reason to trade for him. There was no reason to give up uh, a draft pick for Derek Carr when he's going to hit free agency and then just sign him. So that part was, I think, as far as the money goes, is the only part I've been right about on what these guys are getting paid. That said, what... What was the second best offer for Deshaun Watson? If we're going to use Deshaun Watson as a benchmark here, what was the second best option? It only takes one team. You know, if the Raiders come in and say, Lamar Jackson, we'll give you 200 guaranteed over four years, 50 million a year, we'll do that. uh, And we'll make it a six-year contract with two void years, whatever. But you're getting $200 million. You know, is it only takes one team. But to use Deshaun Watson as a benchmark, well, one team may have lost their minds. That's why they have a cap to begin with, because these owners can't control themselves. There's your collusion, Nick. Yeah. And just to talk about the Raiders fit for Lamar, I've seen that that's one team. There's been some reports that, hey, they haven't said no. But the thing about the Raiders is that they are one of the more cash-poor teams in the entire NFL. You have to be able to put (laughs) a lot of cash in escrow if you're going to pay that massive hundred uh, percent guaranteed contract. Uh, so I don't know how. I mean, I guess they could take out loans and stuff uh, to but, do it. But how not. do you how do you how do you handle that then? You you guarantee it across multiple years, yeah, rather than say here's a big signing bonus and and then I'm going to stretch out your contract. So they've got revenue. They just don't seem to have cash piled up. They don't have reserves. Well, the revenue will pay for it. So it actually makes more sense for the Raiders to give a guaranteed contract in order to not have to dole out a big a big signing bonus, Nick. Yeah, I guess that's true because the mechanism of most guarantees is via the signing bonus, but they can just right. guarantee the base salary. Um, so mm-hmm. I guess that does make sense. But uh, maybe Lamar also uh, would want the signing bonus, you know, and the money. And it's the, kind of the question of uh, you see on Twitter or stuff like, would you rather have, you know, a million dollars now or a thousand, uh, 10,000 the rest of your life or something like that. He's like, Oh, if you give me the money now, I can invest it and make more money off of it than uh, over the rest. Yeah. Of that's, life. that's usually right. Plus taxes aren't going down. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I would, I still, that said, I still wouldn't mind the yeah. Bobby Bonilla contract, you know, no, Bobby Bonilla day on may, whatever, whatever that is. And just getting a million bucks for 30 years. I, I wouldn't mind that one either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's say good morning to some folks. We've been, we've been long winded already this morning. Let's say good morning to some folks in the chat that have come in. Big Al says, good morning. Ready to listen to your guys' opinion on the Lamar Jackson situation. Appreciate it. And, you know, you mentioned collusion, and it hit me as I said it. You know, this might not be collusion against Lamar Jackson, but the salary cap is collusion. It, it's That's what it is. We are getting together and saying we cannot control ourselves as individuals, so we are going to artificially hold down what we're going to pay these guys with a salary cap. That's collusion. Now, For if you want to take it balance. Down, what? For the competitive balance of the league, Scott. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> sure it is. For the competitive balance, because some guys want to compete harder than others. Yeah. Um, so good morning, Big Al. Uh, Michael Rankio coming in. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick on Coast to Coast Football. Good morning. Right. See that Buckham shirt that he's wearing, that, that, that Broncos orange he's got. Dave Glassman coming in. Says, morning, Broncos fam and football fanatics. We got a bunch of Broncos fans in here. Joe Cannon. Resident Atlanta Falcons fan coming in. Great morning, Scott and Nick. He's coming in over on Facebook. Dom Jaramillo coming in. He's a big Georgia Georgia and Denver Broncos fan. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick. Have a great day. 
to you as well. Chris Walker coming in over on Facebook. Good morning, everyone. Dr. Van Nostrand. Good morning, y'all. Roderick Cook says, I'm glad I'm here. Looking forward to your insights. Um, and Roderick missed us, so he caught us up on, if you happen to catch us after the fact, leave a comment. I'll find you, especially on YouTube. Um, I, I go through and, and check all the comments. Roderick found us after the facts. Clayton Huron says, morning, guys. Been a while since I've watched his show. Smash that like button and share. Absolutely. What kind of coffee? Actually, I've got my Lion Coffee. So lioncoffee.com from Patrick out in Hawaii who sends us and keeps us well caffeinated. Um, and he says, uh, you know, talking about Lamar Jackson, he might that might not get that money. He's been injured a lot. Got to stay on the field. And that's one of the big ones with, with your, you know, as you mentioned, with the fully guaranteed contracts. And, you know, if I'm going to dump $50 million a year into a guy, I don't want him to be coming off of injuries the last couple of years. Yeah, it's a, it's a risk, uh, no doubt, with Lamar Jackson there. So we'll see how it plays out. This is going to be fascinating. It's going to be the actual, like, topic of the entire offseason, unless something happens. I guess we could also – we haven't even talked about Aaron Rodgers yet. That could be some of it, too. But I, that's so I, – I don't know if you're like me, Scott. Maybe I have the fatigue because of the Broncos last year, but I'm exhausted by Aaron Rodgers at this point. So, uh, Lamar – Yeah, I, I don't – I don't follow that too much, honestly. I just – it's like I'll, I'll keep an eye on, like, okay, he's visiting here. That's news. Um but after that, I don't pay, I don't, I don't follow it, you know, detail by detail by detail. And, oh, Aaron Rodgers is on this show talking. And I don't, I just, I don't care who I do <laughs> care about those. Mark Schrader coming in on Facebook. He says, good morning. I care where Aaron Rodgers is going to end up. And I care on our quarterback carousel. You said the New York Jets. And that was in January. I think that was uh, two months ago. Probably you said, watch out New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers make a lot of sense. And it is moving in that direction, Nick. Yeah, it does seem to be moving in that way. The representatives are meeting with Rodgers. It's a team that is desperate for quarterback help, and <laughs> they have Nathaniel Hackett there now, uh, who is uh, apparently buddy-buddy with Rodgers. So they are trying the Broncos playing last year, but uh, with uh, Hackett, the offensive coordinator, instead of the head coach. And it sounds like it might happen. Uh, so it will be wild to see how it plays out. Uh, but it could be another great quarterback joining the AFC, which is just unbelievably loaded. I mean, Scott, let me turn this around on you. Who's the best quarterback in the NFC right now? If Rodgers leaves, Tom Brady left. I mean, is it Dak Prescott? Is it? I? Why did Brock Purdy come to mind right away? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Geno Smith? Um, I mean, God. Geno Smith played really well. Um, you know, we just got done talking about him. Um, let's see. West, Dak Prescott's pretty good. Daniel Jones uh, is, is you, you could consider him up and coming. You know, he's certainly getting paid like he's one of those guys. Um, Jared Goff played really well Detroit last year. Um, let's see Minnesota. Derek Carr is the best in the NFC South as it stands right now. So yeah, I mean, when you go through, okay, who are the best young quarterbacks in the league right now? Even the best quarterbacks you go, it's easy. You go Mahomes, you go, you go Allen up in Buffalo. You talk about Herbert up over in LA. Um, it just kind of keeps going that way. So yeah, it's uh, I grew up 80s and 90s. It was like 17 straight NFC Super Bowl wins. It's it's it comes in cycles, Nick. Nick, it it, it does. It, it cycles through the AFC dominance of sorts. It'll never reach the level that it did in the 80s and 90s when the 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 Redskins won three. Um, the 49ers and Cowboys were splitting a bunch of them. The Giants Giant. were were solid there at the time. It was, yeah. uh, you know, and then someone else may have snuck one in. But 
I think they won 15 or 16 straight coming out of, uh, I may have been in second grade when the Raiders just whipped uh, the Redskins. And that may have been the last time the AFC won one for a long time. Um, let me see here. Here's uh, Clayton has a, a double-sided question. Were you guys surprised by any of the franchise tags? and Or who didn't get tagged? Yes, I, I was. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Draymond Jones did not get tagged. No, he did not. Okay. Wanted to make sure. I'm like, we didn't talk about that last night. I'm a little surprised Draymond Jones, inside uh, interior defensive lineman, 3-4 defensive end, 4-3 defensive tackle, versatile guy. I'm a little surprised he didn't get tagged. I'm also surprised Caleb McGarry, right tackle Atlanta Falcons, did not get tagged. Um, it doesn't mean he's going to hit free agency. It means they could be really close to a deal anyway, but you don't know and, and, uh, unless it happens over the next week. Kayla McGarry is going to be a free agent. That surprises me. It also surprises me a bit. Now, maybe it shouldn't. I've been saying I wouldn't tag Draymond Jones for four months. I've been saying that. I don't think he's worth $19 million. Maybe the Broncos agree, Nick. Yeah, we'll see what the uh, Albert Breer yesterday said. Draymond Jones and Javon Hargrave's contracts. Our market is going to be approaching $20 million a year, um, just under that. So that's what the tag is at sounds like the Broncos weren't willing to get up, you know, to that 17, 18 range. Uh, and I would expect Draymond to get that on the open market, especially with teams having a lot of cash, some teams having a lot of cash to spend and Draymond being a 26 year old top 10 interior pass rusher. I mean, there's a value for that. You're going to have to overpay because he is a, I don't want to say liability, but he's not good against the run. Uh, we'll put it that way, but he's going to get paid uh, his youth and his position. Just he's, he's an impact player in that regard. So so somebody will let him walk. And I am also somewhat surprised about Caleb McGarry. We've said it on here a few times, though. The scheme protected him as much as any player in the league this last year. Uh, not a lot of true dropback sets. And when he did have to have true dropback sets, it was a mixed bag. So I, I think the Falcons will still work it out. Uh, but not paying him, what was the tag for offensive line? 19 million a year, 20 yeah. million a year? Somewhere in that uh, neighborhood, yep. I think he'll probably get somewhere in the... Uh, 14 to 17 range. I think that's right for both of them, honestly. Now, yeah. which brings up the next question. Denver Broncos, I've got $15 million. Who makes my team better? Draymond Jones or Kayla McGarry slash Jawan Taylor at right tackle? Scott, this is going to come real philosophical for me, but I think it's an offensive lineman is our offensive line is always only ever as good as its weakest player. But if you have a one time or a defensive lineman who wins consistently, all you need is one defensive lineman to win your rep and the entire unit wins. So I'm going to take the pass rusher. Uh, if they are the equal level player, the pass rusher is more valuable in my book. Now that That's being not what said, I asked. yeah. <laughs> Broncos have an offensive head coach. They've had a terrible offense for years and years. They've had a right tackle quandary since 2012 uh, when Orlando Franklin went off to the uh, chargers, maybe 2013. So I could see the Broncos instead paying a right tackle uh, instead of Draymond Jones, you know, just to mix things up because it's been so bad in Denver. I personally would rather have the pass rusher, uh, the top level or a highly paid pass rusher versus a highly paid offensive tackle. But I think the Broncos could go the other way. Yeah. And here's what's interesting is between the two teams, the Broncos and the Falcons, that trade straight up for those guys might make both teams better. I think the Broncos need the right tackle more than they need Draymond Jones. 
And I think the Falcons would need Draymond Jones more than they would need a right tra- right tackle. They could replace McGarry more than they can find a running mate for Grady Jarrett. You go healthy Taquan Graham, Grady Jarrett, and then Draymond Jones, you're pretty solid up front. You're pretty mm-hmm. solid up front now. Draymond Jones, there's more talent on that defense. I can find a replacement level player at defense and not drop off as much. But with Sean Payton and what he wants to do and the mobility of Caleb McGarry and his run-blocking ability and just the the toughness he would bring that has been so absent for the Broncos' offensive line, I think those two guys switching sides would make both teams better. We'll see how it plays out. Real quick, want to come in with Gary Palmer coming in, getting us started on the Super Chats here. Appreciate that. Just a reminder, you can help support the show with Super Chats like Gary just did or Stars on Facebook. Gary says, good morning, Scott and Nick. Love the Coast to Coast show. We love you being here. So thank you very much, my friend. And um, let me see. Brandon comes in. He asks a question about a Falcons question. He says, so what would be the best for our future? Draft a quarterback or ride with Ritter? Now, there's been some smoke that the Falcons are talking about moving up, have been in chats with the Chicago Bears for the number one overall pick, too. Um that could be coming from the Bears side, trying to get a good, the best offer possible from another team saying, well, I've got Atlanta on the horn. They're willing to send me an eight, a two, and next year's number one. Could all be BS. Personally, I think you go with, you go with Desmond Ritter this year, get a veteran backup. Jameis Winston wouldn't be, off, wouldn't be a, a, a terrible guy to come in. I know that would trigger some Atlanta Falcons fans, understandably so. The guy's been a Buccaneer and a Saint. I get it, but shoot, just so you don't have to play against him, he's got about 125 quarterback rating against the Atlanta Falcons. It might be worth to just put him on the roster. That might be an extra win right there just so he's not playing against you. But I would be willing to go and then and then hopefully get a fire-breathing edge with the number eight pick if one of those is available, Nick. I've said it 100 times. You took Desmond Ritter in the third round last year. And he looks to be a competent quarterback. You can roll with him and play that uh, cheap contract with him uh, for a number of years, but you already made your first evaluation with him waiting until the third round. And the league also made an evaluation on him, not taking him until the Falcons took him into the third round. Right now, I'd say that if you traded him this offseason, you might be able to get back the exact same pick, if not maybe even a third and a five, given how he looked uh, competency-wise. I think So I think it's a good pick right Mm -hmm. now. But yeah, not... I, I think for sure, I think you would absolutely get back at least a third. Yes. For goodness yeah. sake, you could upgrade that if you wanted to. And Falcons fans have taken to Desmond Ritter. I think the majority of Falcons fans, not that it matters what they think to uh, to the, the, the administration, but I, I think most want to see Desmond Ritter get a legit chance. It's like, okay, it costs you an eight and nine season instead of a, an 11 and seven season. Well, well okay you know most everybody's used to it's not like we've been winning championships here in in atlanta a lot lately yeah but the reality is you you've already made an evaluation on him and you didn't see enough of him last year to really have a great evaluation we're not talking like a dak prescott rookie year uh type of outcome from him last year so that means you have to put in the work on this quarterback class without a doubt i mean every team does it anyway but i think you need to be putting in extra work on the quarterback class specifically the top four uh, in this class. And if you like one of them, if you come away super impressed and be like, listen, we like Desmond Ritter a lot, but this guy, let's just throw out CJ Stroud uh, for whatever reason. Well, let's say he, we absolutely adore him, 
it's only going to cost us our first round next year to go get him. And then we have a cost controlled quarterback for five years. And uh, we could then keep Ritter for cheap on the back end or trade Ritter for more draft capital. You have to, you have to at least consider it uh, there. If you don't have the quarterback or you, if you don't have the known quarterback, you have to put in the work. It's, it's the same thing I've said over and over again for the Broncos. I'll say it for every single team. If you don't have a known franchise quarterback, you need to at least be looking over the available options. I'd be real interested with Anthony Richardson backing up Desmond Ritter. Real interested, knowing that, okay, this is not a win-now team, possibly, but what can Anthony Richardson do with some time and seasoning with a redshirt year in an Arthur Smith offense that is going to let him run? The guy is six foot four plus 245 pounds. He can throw. His accuracy has not been good to this point, but that it's not a release problem. It's not an arm problem. It's just maybe a technique you know this isn't tim tebow and his big windmill circle release throw that's that's not the problem so i'd be real interested but this rolls into dr van nostrand saying what would the falcons fans prefer trade up for a quarterback in the draft or two first round picks i think they'd prop in a quarter billion for lamar i think if they had their druthers if those were your only two choices i think they'd actually rather move up and get a quarterback Hmm. um then two first round picks and a quarter billion after watching the cap hell they've gone through and all the bad contracts that scares the Falcons fans right now. A lot of them would love to see Lamar Jackson. And if Lamar Jackson came to Atlanta, he would be embraced immediately. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But initial reaction on this is Falcons fans want to go with Desmond Ritter and put those, put the draft picks and free agency into the defense. That's what they want to see right now. And maybe the offensive line. If uh, Caleb McGeary leaves, it's something we've talked about a lot. That pick number is eight overall uh, is a really good spot for the first tackle in this class. Uh, So, you know, that kind of stinks because you're not really probably drastically improving improving the team. Yeah, you're not improving. Unless you are. Yeah, you're not improving. But again, you go free agency. You go. You better go free agency on defense then, Nick. Yeah. And you will. You know, I have zero doubt on that. Big time. Um which is a luxury the Falcons haven't had in several years. Mm-hmm. Philip Hogginson coming in and saying, good morning, guys. My favorite morning show. Appreciate you. Wow, Thank nice you for coming you. in with a super chat, my friend. And uh, Michael Ranquillo says Chicago Bears is a team to watch out for Draymond Jones. Um, just a, a quick programming note. Um, and I'll, I might rebrand my channel so it doesn't have my name because I'm actually branching out. Parker Hurley is doing a Chicago Bears podcast on my channel. So always make sure it says, you know, Bears pod with Parker Hurley. He, you know, so check him out. He's Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, at uh, six o'clock Eastern time, five o'clock central Bears, PM. Chicago Bears podcast on youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy. Um, they were talking about after Deron Payne went off the board, the Draymond Jones is, is maybe their number one pick, their, yeah. their number one priority. And they got cash. Yep. They've got almost $100 million in, in money right now. Son and Draymond wouldn't even put a dent in their available money, Nick. Yeah, they and also they could load it. Because of the cap space they have available, they can manipulate those cap hits and make it so that almost no team could sign him. Right? They could front load the deal, which typically you don't see. But with all these teams with limited cap space, if you put it his first year and have his cap hit be, let's say, 24, and then it goes down after that, who has 24 million in cap space, uh, right? That's just not uh, besides the Falcons and a few teams, but they you can say that them. though. And you look at, let me see if I look at a uh, spot rack right now. 
and I go to to uh, Cap Tracker, and I scroll all the way down here to the New Orleans Saints, and they're twenty six million in the hole, and they but, signed Derek Carr. <laughs> but I bet you the I bet you the contract is set up where this year one cap hit is yeah tiny fifteen where, million maybe yeah, yeah and it but you be. could have the the, the uh, the Bears, with how much cap space they have this season, be massive on that first year, which means that other teams then wouldn't do it. And Draymond maybe would rather prefer that because then they can go high on the guarantees, get those guarantees over with, uh, and then uh, you know just manipulate the cap in that way. And we got Jason Heller coming in saying we want Ritter cap space on our picks more than we want Lamar. I don't. Or I, I'm not here. Or, or probably Jason and 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 uh, you know Chris and. All y'all and Joe, correct me if I'm wrong here, but and or that you would want Ritter more than you'd want to give up two firsts for any quarterback in this draft, yeah. which is likely what it would cost you. The other thing, just coming back to it, I know we're rehashing conversations, but if you are interested, if you make your bed with Ritter this season, you're probably making your bed with him throughout the duration of his contract, unless you're giving up unbelievable draft capital more than you'd have to give up to get Lamar to move up in the draft. Uh, you are picking eight overall this year uh, and the ability to trade up for a quarterback in the top 10 in the future, I think is probably not as likely over the next couple of cycles. You never know. And guys like Derek Carr become available, but do you want to be the team paying Derek Carr, Daniel Jones? Uh, gosh, who else just got paid? Gino, Gino Smith. Yeah. Do Gino you want to pay those guys? guys? Mm -hmm. Would you rather do that? Or would you rather take a top 10 quarterback? Cause if it's a, if betting on rid of the season is a bet on the next three seasons. That said, this is a two way street, Nick. If Ritter succeeds, you're happy. You're happy with Ritter. You're okay with that. If Ritter does not succeed, you're back in the top 10 again. I think that this infrastructure is good enough. And with the salary cap that you have this year and the NFC South being dreadful looking right now, that <laughs> I think that even if Ritter fails next season, the defense is going to be that much better. You are establishing a pretty good uh, system here. I just think the floor is too high on this Falcons team to be picking the top 10. Also, I don't think next year is going to be set up where you have four quarterbacks worthy of a top 10 pick. I think it's going to be a mad race for one and two. And then after yep. that, you Quinn Ewers, JJ McCarthy, just question marks. Uh, unlike this season, we're, we're predicting a year out. We don't know. Things can change. Uh, but this year, it's a unique opportunity with four quarterbacks who are uh, – up there and it's kind of Zach Phillips. I mean, maybe I'm jaded both ways trade for the veteran. Oh, scary. Sit there and hope for a quarterback you took late. And oh man, he's got tools. Maybe you'll do it. feels like hoping with lock, right? Like you made your evaluation on that already. Uh, you still want to gather more information, but if you are in position and you love a guy, don't overthink it. The, the third round pick you took last year should have no impact on your evaluation of the current crop of available right. quarterbacks. I agree. Um, I agree I, I, again, but I, I think, the evaluation on Ritter is going to be enough that they don't want to overspend on a quarterback. Yep, now, if one fine. of those guys falls to eight, maybe, maybe, but yeah. I don't think, uh, I don't, I don't, I think the evaluation of Ritter has given you the luxury of not having to overspend on a quarterback. Um, this is my obligatory time to say, that's why I was for Justin Fields at number four instead of Kyle Pitts, because it's expensive. Yeah. to get franchise quarterbacks. And when I mean, you've got a chance to take one when you don't have one, when your yours is 36 years old and creaky and on a ridiculous contract like Matt Ryan was, you take his successor. Yeah. If you're, you're over there, to... Ritter may end up being the guy. 
I want to get to Joe Cannon here real quick. He's asked about Shader Sanders. I'll be honest, I didn't watch much Jackson State uh, in general. He's on the list, though, for next year with uh, CU. So we'll see how he plays at CU. Other guys out there. There's some interesting Pac-12 quarterbacks that are returning next year. Uh, Bo Nix, I know that he kind of sends a shiver down your spine as an Auburn fan, but he was really good at Oregon last year. I mean, just he has tools. Uh, he does. And then Michael Penix I know, was I, awesome. I know, and then he comes back and, you know, he just lays an egg against Georgia. I mean, you know, it's, it's the, what though. is the level of, how is he against the level of competition with, yeah. with Bo Nix? We'll see. We're talking, I think we're talking late round one through like day two somewhere right now is his range. He's not going to be a lottery pick quarterback. But they can certainly improve, Nick. That's what yeah. these coaches are getting paid millions and millions of dollars for is not just recruiting, yeah. but to actually see them get better and to mature. And he was thrown in as the savior at Auburn where his dad played. Mm-hmm. And it was it may have been too much for him at the time. And yeah. they can be humbled. We've talked about it with coaches being humbled and coming back and improving. Um, and Joe, I haven't seen Sanders throw, you know, plain and simple. I didn't watch Jackson State. You know, you hear you hear a. Uh, Deion Sanders and you just think okay speedy athlete I don't think you know arm even though he had a pretty damn good arm he was an outfielder um you know he's a major league outfielder the guy could throw um you know maybe the second best athlete of our generation behind Bo Jackson who was a similar athlete just 40 pounds bigger (laughs) 30 pounds bigger um so that's for me so I'll keep an eye on him Joe Uh, James comes in with a great comment um comes in as a as a Browns fan says, I would almost guarantee a team comes forward for Lamar Jackson owners. Um, I'm not Washington. sure which WC owner is. We'll decide. Washington Commanders. Okay, Washington Commanders. Yeah, who's their owner? We'll decide he's worth the price. In the end, Cleveland looked like geniuses. Free agents just starting. Um, a lot of them looking like geniuses will depend on how well Deshaun plays over the next. We're one year into that contract already. You know, it was a five-year deal, and I'm I'm for guaranteed contracts, a hundred percent for for guaranteed contracts. Um, that again, non-guaranteed contracts and salary caps, that is more collusion against the NFLPA and the, and the players' union. Their union isn't nearly as strong as Major League Baseball's. Uh, Major League Baseball has the best players' union in the United States. Um, normally, I'm for an open market, but this isn't an open market system in sports in the United States. It's a monopoly. And you need protection for for the players. I'm mm-hmm. for the guaranteed contracts, absolutely. So you don't have to. Uh, I'm with you on this one. You know, it's the it's the most dangerous sport. You know, of the professional sports, with the least amount of player flexibility and protection. So um, and and like like we said, James, I agree with you. I said it earlier. It only takes one. It takes yeah. one team to come in here. I'm reminded of the fact, Nick. This will be too old for you. The Braves were a big money team in the early 90s, and Alex Rodriguez was hitting free agency, and there was a real thought he was coming in to Atlanta. Uh, And then the Texas Rangers came and made a market-busting offer for him. They did it, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there was some word that the Braves' offer wasn't even close. And they said, our offer was pretty damn good until Texas did what they did, you know, so it only takes one team to do that for sure. Um, so we'll, we will see. And like I said, how willing are you to go through and sit down and go through all of the negotiations and do all that stuff with Lamar Jackson, knowing that the Baltimore Ravens can just match it. That, that, that to me is a little bit, it's, it's just, it's a little dishonest, Nick. The whole thing's a little bit dishonest for me. 
yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it plays out. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, we'll get more tidbits of information and the fact that the Ravens can match. I think it's a good situation for the Ravens as well uh, because apparently there was some hurt feelings and there's always going to be hurt feelings when uh, players are negotiating their own contracts. Well, now it's just not the exclusive negotiation between the Ravens and Lamar. It's the league and Lamar. So they can just come in and be like, listen, all the hurt feelings and the personal stuff and what the contract is. We didn't dictate your market. The market dictated your market. Uh, so that way, at least maybe from the Ravens perspective, can uh, smooth some things over uh, following Lamar Jackson's new contract. Um, you know, and over 50% of drafted quarterbacks are busts. You know, it's that's kind of the whole first round, you know? So when we were talking about on the Broncos channels, Nick and I do a lot on mile high huddle for the Denver Broncos when they were talking about, you know, I don't want to give up a pick for the right coach. I'm like, you guys are out of your freaking minds. A fir- the right coach is so much more worth a first round pick, especially one at 28. I'm like there may be half a dozen draft picks in the history of this game that are worth getting the right coach. Um, so you know, it, it's again, the, the draft picks, draft picks are overrated. That's why free agent quarterbacks are paid so much. A long time ago, the highest paid player in the NFL was the number one overall pick that was a quarterback. That was insane. <laughs> that was when it was completely backwards for sure. Sam Bradford, right? Now, that was a wild time. Joe also says Sanders should be a top quarterback next year. Watch a lot of JSU and his arms. Incredible. We'll see. Uh, I, again, I have not watched him very much. I can tell you that uh, it'd be pretty hard pressed for him, for me to put him in the category of Caleb Williams and uh, Drake may from North Carolina right now, just based on what I've seen in the prototype tools that they have. Uh, but we have a full year of uh, tape to watch and, Typically, um, as the microscope gets over those guys longer, uh, you start to pick away at things. You know, a lot of year ago right now, we're like, okay, this quarterback class in 2022 is terrible. Wait till next year. You got CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. Well, CJ Stroud, I mean, they're still at the top. It's not like the 2022 class. Everybody was right and saying like, hey, this quarterback class doesn't have the first round picks compared to next year. Uh, turns out that was true. But still, you start to nitpick on uh, things the longer that you have exposure. So we'll see what happens with Sanders. I mean, it's an open mind, a fresh book, fresh started in Pac-12 football for now for Colorado. So it'll be interesting. And including Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. You mm-hmm. know, there was talk last year that the first four guys in this draft would have been the first four guys if they were available last year. Um, and one Probably of those true. questions, Kevin, welcome in. Appreciate you coming in on Facebook. He says, where do you think Jalen Carter goes? Uh, I still think if I was predicting, which is what you're asking, the... I would still predict the Colts moving up and switching with the Bears and the Bears still taking them at four. Uh, I don't think I don't think the news around Jalen Carter is going to affect his draft stock at all. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I'm enough about the specifics of everything with Carter. I, obviously, the rest wasn't good and being um, a warrant on him. There was he was lying to the cops about his There's, involvement. None of that's in there. You know, he's, he's in, he's, he's in there for racing and reckless driving, which again, if you are in a, in an accident with a fatality and you've got those charges, there's a chance they can tack on a a vehicular manslaughter charge on that too. Then we're talking, we've got problems. Yeah. 
I think if you do, as long as the, his background check clears for the rest of the stuff, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, he's, this guy's an alcoholic or anything like, you know, none of that comes out. And this was kind of a one-off stupid, um, stupid thing where that had tragic consequences. Um, I, I think he doesn't fall out of the top five. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I think it does push him down in the conversation a little bit. Uh, just I, I because, do too. So, but yeah. not enough to me that he falls out. It'll affect his stock where let's say he was a, a must buy. He was a 99. Now he's a 97, yeah. but at 97 still higher than the next guy below him. I still think he goes top five. I agree. I could see him falling into the top seven. I could see him moving a bit, just like with the quarterbacks, uh, with how they have shown this class. And also apparently one of the biggest takeaways I had from the combine is that Tyree Wilson is up there. He yep. is, he should be in the conversation. Apparently the NFL views him just in the same conversation with Will Anderson mm-hmm. and uh, Jalen Carter, which to me, if you have those two guys, Will Anderson and J- uh, Tyree Wilson, and then Jalen Carter, who now you have questions about the decision-making and the, I mean, you're talking about investing big millions of dollars in a guy and then the opportunity cost. I think it's at least a little bit of a conversation, um, but uh, he could fall and he could fall to eight to the Falcons and which would be wild as uh, Chris Walker talks about here. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you to that sense. So I say I will say, you know, top five or at least top three positional players. How about that? Because, yeah. um, I mean, you could have quarterbacks going one, two, three, four. That's mm-hmm. not impossible. Mm-mm. It's not impossible for quarterbacks going one, two, three, four. And we're going to hear a lot of talk and a lot of smoke and a lot of BS about the order of those those quarterbacks because there's two teams in there that don't need a quarterback so they're going to talk about oh we might want to take one you've already heard it from the bears and they're going to try and pump up the value as much as they possibly can and then there's two teams moving up that are trying to downplay the quarterbacks no we don't really like bryce young anyway we really like will levis you know so when you talk about the order the how many different possible orders there can be it's it's four to the exponent so four times three times two 12, 24, there's going to be 24 orders of con- of of what order these quarterbacks are going to be in of, over the course of the next couple of weeks. I'm going to get to um, get to Chris in a second. I want to hit Brandon first real quick. Brandon asks, where does Aaron Rodgers end up? Last year, I said the Green Bay Packers. This year, I think he's on the move, Nick. I think it's I think his time is up in Green Bay. Sounds like they're done with him. Also, it sounds like they want to see what they have in Jordan Love. Uh he looked pretty good last year. Honestly, in hindsight, the Broncos would have been better off maybe trading for Jordan Love to pair with Nathaniel Hackett for the cheap and just rolling the dice there. It's hindsight, I know, but... Uh, if it would have changed the 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 command structure was as big of a problem as anything was the yeah. fact that Nathaniel Hackett either didn't have the stones or was his legs were cut out from to put his big boy pants on and take charge of that team. The, the command structure, you wouldn't have had that problem with Jordan Love that you did with Russell Wilson coming in and supposedly running the show. Yeah. I mean, it was talking about Russell Wilson holding his own meetings and giving out like notes and game plans and stuff that was totally against what the coaches had been working on, like on Friday before the game. And just like, it was totally dysfunctional in Denver last year. It's really, it's unbelievable. I wish there'll probably be a 30 for 30 on it. If it does as rough as it is again this year, I think Nathaniel Hackett, as much as he basically said it, you could read into what he was saying. Every time there was a question everything was always about Russell Wilson. It was almost like he was saying, this is about Russell Wilson. This isn't about me. 
I have no char- I, I have no say here. I'm just up here to talk. Uh, everything he'd say, he'd, he'd shed that around by saying, we got to do what we can to protect Russ. We got to make sure that Russell Wilson's comfortable. We got to do all that. It was, I, I think if you go back knowing what you know when you watch it at the time, go back and watch it, all you're going to hear is, I have no say here. And the, and the hand is actually up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but Brandon, um, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Nick, in, J- in January, our first show on when we started doing this was it, he said New York Jets. He's meeting with the Jets. Jets make a lot of sense. So Aaron yep. Rodgers, New York Jets. The other team, um, I think the Raiders also have a chance as well. Uh, the Raiders team, we, I think on that show, I said Tom Brady uh, to the Raiders, but the Raiders probably want to make a splash right. at the quarterback. It sounds like the Raiders are interested in Lamar Jackson. Well, if they're interested in Lamar Jackson, why wouldn't they also be interested in Aaron Rodgers where his buddy, Devontae Adams, is the quarterback? So Raiders, I would throw a little bit of cash on that. Also, I know a few uh, Packers sources uh, that I mentioned. The, the, oh, uh, you're Dolphin. breaking up on me, so I'm going to have to fill real quick, and then we'll come back. With the the Packers sources, there we go. The Packers Packers folks are saying Rogers and what go potentially the Dolphins. Yeah, the, the the Twitter sphere is saying no way they're happy with Tua. We'll see, we'll see. Uh, I think they're probably how. Ha- again, I think the Tua the quarterback is the right guy for the Dolphins. He's he's walking a thin line of, of his health right now, Nick. Um, I mean, I know they all are, but he's he's one more shot away from having really bad health problems if he doesn't already. You know, this stuff could when he hits 35, 40 years old, this stuff could start remanifesting. I, I worry for Tua. I do. Yeah. Uh, Chris Walker asks if Carter, if Jalen Carter drops to eight, do the Falcons take him? Nick? Probably. Uh, it's one of those things where if he falls that far, you're like, okay, is there something else going on uh, given the tape and the quality and the position he plays? Uh, but I think that that's probably a buck could stop there. I, I can't imagine the Raiders passing him unless the Raiders traded that pick like we've been talking about here. Uh, given their propensity, is that the word? Uh, how often they've taken uh, guys who have slid and have potential character issues or things like that in the past. It's kind of a almost nobody does that as much as the Raiders. Uh, but uh, not that Carter is full. I'm not full on burying Carter, but this is an incident that, you know, should have a red flag on it at least. But uh, definitely if he falls to eight, that's you need help on defense. He could be the best defensive player in the class. And uh, he's a versatile impact player, good against the run, good against the pass. He's, he's an awesome prospect on the field. Four quarterbacks go in the top seven. Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, it only takes one more. Christian Gonzalez. Christian maybe? Gonzalez. Yeah, um, one of those Peter offensive Skronsky, linemen. Um, Paris Johnson. Um, let's see who else could possibly sneak into there. Lucas Van Ness. I mean, he Lucas tested great. Yeah, Miles Murphy. So, I mean, it it could happen. That's why I'm saying top ten, top eight. It's yeah, it's possible. it's not out of the question. I said he, I think he still goes top five. I and I I still think that. But would it totally surprise me to see him? available at eight no i wouldn't be totally surprised would should the falcons take him at eight yes yes they should as long as they feel like he's not who's the guy that was it marlon davidson 
who showed up and, you know, was a complete bust second round, early third. I think he was second round pick. Mm-hmm. Admitted that he, you know, was living the life with his newfound money. Um, hopefully these guys don't get to they've got money in college now <laughs> hopefully they're they're not getting that first huge check in in the nfl and losing their minds hopefully they're a little more prepared to deal with that money and hopefully they're offering classes for these athletes to money management you know how to budget how to invest do all those things that should be part of um their curriculum but yes as long as they don't see marlon davidson out there chris jalen walker Jalen Walker, Chris Walker, Jalen Carter. You know, I was for uh, Jordan Davis last year. I, I thought he could have been a guy to plug right in the middle of that defense. Um, so, yes, I think it's very possible. Yeah, and he also asks uh, if Tyree Wilson or Van Ness are available at eight, who the Falcons select. Sounds like Tyree Wilson is a tier above uh, Van Ness. Van Ness is a really good prospect. His agilities um, for his size and the power in his hands is amazing, but Tyree Wilson is got more power in his hands than Van Ness even does in my opinion, or they're close, but Wilson, you know, longer. So if Tyree Wilson falls there, it sounds like it's going to be him. It sounds like he's right up there. It, it wouldn't be shocking if he was the first defensive player drafted this mm-hmm. class right now. Um, Really? That's, that's what I've heard talking to people <clears throat> at the combine after it fell out. The NFL really thinks Tyree Wilson is a unique, special talent. I'm, I'm very interested for the Falcons at edge and Tyree in, uh, in Lucas Van Ness, you know, that the Falcons just re-signed Lorenzo Carter. That was a move that what that on uh, on the Falcons podcast that Nick and I both said should happen. He was two and a half, three million dollars last year, a solid four. You know, one of the four at edge, good player to have on your team. Not overly expensive. Um, that said, they need he's two hundred fifty five pounds. Uh, Tyree Wilson and and Lucas Van Ness are already two seventy plus, and similar athletes. Lorenzo is a great athlete. Uh, length, size, they just don't have that. I think the last time they tried to go after that was Jamal Anderson, uh, Arkansas, one of their top five worst draft picks ever. And um, if they could hit on that spot, it would, oh man, it would solve a lot of problems. It would go a long way to improving a defense that needs an infusion of talent in in a big way. Nick, we're right at 50 minutes. We're, We're starting to wrap this thing up. I think we've hit on most of the, the topics I wanted to hit on, at least, but besides combine highs and lows nfl combine highs and lows you mentioned a couple of them so let's let's touch on that again real quick over the next few minutes um biggest biggest performance uh ade ade defensive lineman out of out of northwestern um six foot one and a half does his is his size this would his height push him down in the second or third round or does he have a chance to really move up i think his tape is not good enough where i feel comfortable saying with him in the guaranteed first round but I think he's going to be in one of those early second round picks. I'm curious to see. So a lot of teams that I know of were projecting him as a three technique type, but with that athleticism, maybe you see him at edge first. I mean, it's a more valuable position. I uh, really can't hold up. Maybe he's somebody who in base base downs is a uh, edge rusher, seven technique, maybe even some stand up stuff. And then in sub packages, uh, you get him inside and you can do some twist and stunt stuff with him. But Adi Adi had a freakish combine. He's small. I doesn't have incredible uh, mass to him. He does have good length, 34 inch arm length, uh, but um, we will see how it plays out with him. But yeah, I think he's going to go one of the first picks in the uh, second round. 
And um, Chris asks, there's a lot to choose from. Yeah. Uh, any draft pick worse than Prey Jerry for the Falcons, Scott? Yes, actually, I did a top five worst draft picks video um, not too long ago. Let me see if I can find it. I'll, I'll dig it up. It's on my channel. Uh, unfortunately, it's also sitting in a place I used to work. Um, mm -hmm. So they're getting the SEO for it. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't put Prairie Jerry in the top five. He was actually lower on the, uh, you know, he was like a 27 or so. But Jamal Anderson, I think, was an eight overall and just did nothing. But the worst pick the Falcons ever made was Bruce Pickens. He was a number three overall and he wasn't in the league in three years. Cornerback. Uh, that was when the Big Eight was running wishbones and the Falcons were taking defensive backs out of the Big Eight. Uh, Nebraska guy. He was, um, he was the worst. The other one I picked was uh, Tony Smith, running back Southern Miss. Um, he was the guy that was received in the first round in a trade for Brett Favre. So when when Brett Favre was sent to the Packers, they received a first round pick and they used it on running back Tony Smith, who had about 600 yards of total offense, all in his first year, and then was out mm -hmm. of the league. <laughs> so yeah. yes, bad things. Cornerbacks. You mentioned Christian Gonzalez. How did Witherspoon? Did he did he test at all? I don't remember. I was like, I don't remember hearing any buzz of him. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. was there. Are those those are three guys that could probably sneak into the top ten? I wouldn't do Joey Porter Jr. personally. I think he is very much a he has issues um, flipping and running with guys. Uh, he wants to keep everything in front of him and be a press corner. And I think at some point in the NFL you're going to have to be able to flip your hips and play coverage and reactionary football as a cornerback. So I don't know if I would put him as high. He tested well with the jumps and stuff, but he just, he's a little top heavy uh, for me and how his movements uh, are. Weatherspoon is still number two for me, but I think the, there's more of a gap between Weatherspoon and Porter in my book than there is between Porter and Banks, who was the other cornerback that I think really stood out here. He measured smaller uh, than Maryland had him listed, but he tested extremely well, and I thought he looked great in the uh, the drills as well. So uh, Deontay Banks, Maryland, is a name that uh, we mocked him in our mock a week ago today. Uh, probably, I think, about pick 18, pick 20. I think that's probably a good spot for him. He might even go a little bit higher, but he's he's really good. Pollen's getting my nose. I apologize, y'all, yeah. that are having to watch. It's better um, than the coughs. Yeah. Uh, how about Julius Brents? Yeah. Um, similar athlete, the guy that Seattle took last year, tall, fast. Yeah. He's not, it's, it's Tariq Woolen. Tariq Woolen. He's not quite that tall. That said, he's six, three, one ninety eight. Mm -hmm. He's got almost a seven foot wingspan. It was 83 inches, a six, six, three, three cone, which is elite change of direction. Four Oh five in the shuttle is very good. And then a 42 inch vertical leap. 11 foot broad, 11 six broad jump. Physically speaking, that's one of the best performances in the draft in the NFL combine for length, explosiveness, all of it. Yeah, How I high think could he go. Julius Brent's cornerback, Kansas State. I think bottom third of the second round through halfway through the third round for him. And a big issue for me with him is that I think that you're not going to see off coverage with him with his size. I think he also is just given his, uh, where he's at is sometimes going to be a little bit stiff in that flipping his hips. It's the, what do they call it? It's a long time cornerbacks coach trail Austin. They do a drill where you kind of like you go one way, one way, and then you flip your hips completely and have to run the opposite way. He looks a little bit stiff uh, in that one. And also the issue with Julius Brents is that he has almost zero ball production 
in his career. And uh, that is extremely valuable in today's NFL where it's not about as much stopping the other team. It's about taking the ball away. And he just, there's no ball skills uh, that he's shown or instinct for the ball. So I think probably and it's also a deep cornerback group. So I think mid seconds, mid third is probably the range he'll go, even though he tested great. It's it's funny though. You know, we had a lot of the same talk and only look up where he went, but I think he went all the way in the fifth about Tariq Tariq Bullen last year. Yeah. A lot of the same concerns. And he did. He went in the fifth round, 153rd overall, and he was one of the best cornerbacks in this draft. Yep. I just, when I start seeing, and that was a guy we were high on, you know, is should he have gone in the first? We're not, we weren't saying that by any stretch, but I think we were mocking him in the third at the latest, a lot yeah. of the times. Julius Brent, if, if you're, if you're doing a redraft, how long does it take you to get to Ty, to Tyreek, the, the Seattle Seahawks, Tyreek Woolen? Top 15. And, yeah, top 15. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, a, and a redraft. So do you make the same mistake on Julius Brents? You have hindsight now with Tariq Woolen. Well, exactly, uh, but they're, they're yeah. so similar physically. I think that you – so Julius Brents will go earlier because he's more of a known quantity. Uh, he's had multiple years at Kansas State. He's not a trans, uh, trans flipping positions over to UTSA from wide receiver to cornerback. Uh, and he tested great, and he also looked pretty good at the uh, Senior Bowl as well. I just think it's a deep cornerback class overall. I don't think he's going to fit every scheme uh, also. And again, the the ball production is a big red flag. He, teams in today's NFL, you're looking to take the ball away, and he is just he's not been able to locate the football, which in the Big 12 is wild because there's a lot of opportunities <laughs> to play on the football. Uh, so that's uh, – I think it will knock him down a bit. Again, mid-second round to mid-third round, that seems like a good spot for him. Uh, really long, physical as well. Also, um, I can tell you from my connections at Iowa, asking about Julius Brents, I was heartbroken when he transferred from Iowa because I thought that he was a special talent. I mean, you can see the length on tape. Uh, as a true freshman, they got him out of uh, Indianapolis, actually, where he had a good combine. Uh, but everybody's like, okay, we know he left because he got beaten out by Riley Moss and the Broncos had some, or Broncos, the Hawkeyes had some other uh, older vets that they like. So he left. It was not on bad terms. The coaching staff still speaks extremely highly of him as his character and his uh, who he is as a person. So uh, not somebody that, uh, you know, a lot of times you see transfers get out and it's kind of they bad mouth him on the way out. They spoke highly of him on the way out, which I think is a, a feather in his cap as a uh, transfer out. So good kid. Again, I think probably mid second to mid third uh, for me with him, but we'll see. All right. Well, I, he's definitely someone I'm looking forward to, to coming through and, and watching. Um, mm -hmm. He's sitting there at second and third round. I would be real interested. Again, you've got physical ability and, and not even just the explosive, the, the, the body type. He just, it's unique. If it's not unique, it's pretty, pretty close. It's rare for sure. On that note, we're going to get out of here. I hope you all had as much fun today as we did. Uh, this was a show I was really excited to do. There was just so much news. Um, and we'll get more into draft and free agency opens up next week as we will we will get into it. And I'm sure some more guys will become available as cap cuts. Some more guys will, will be signed to some big contracts. We'll see what happens with Lamar Jackson over the course of the next week. Maybe nothing. Uh, I want to say thank you to our Super Chat superstars, Gary Palmer. Philip Hogginson, thank you for helping to keep the lights on and keeping my forehead nice and shiny. Um, Nick and I will be back tomorrow on Mile High Huddle, and we will be back on this channel, same bat channel, same uh, bat time, Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern. So until then, thank you for everything, Nick. Uh, thanks for everybody for coming in. Hit a like on the way out, and we will see you next time. Peace.